and we are live. What is going on, my beautiful family? Come on in the room. Come on, tag somebody. I believe this is going to be a perspective-shifting conversation. Welcome. Can y'all believe we are already in February? The pace of this year is already taken off rather quickly. We are already in February and we are continuing our Therapy Thursday conversations because I'm passionate, number one, about you knowing the Lord Jesus for yourself. And then number two, I want us to be healed on the inside. I want us to have holistic, healthy, biblically saturated kingdom perspectives. This is why we do what we do. Come on in the room, tag somebody. You know how we do. For those, um, this is your first time. Welcome. I see you and I'm proud of you. Uh, for those who are reoccurring, you know how we do. We like to tag people up and down the chat. Would you find somebody, tag them? Even though it's virtual, we want it to feel personal. Tag somebody and tell them I'm proud of you. Look at you, my dude, showing up for therapy. Look at you, sis, throwing, showing up for therapy. I am proud of you. I'm proud of you. Uh, welcome to our Therapy Thursday. This conversation, there's so much that I want to share with you. There's so much that has been beating on my heart. I really want to get straight to it for like tonight we are talking about, I didn't ask for this. Oh Lord, I did not ask for this. We are going to warfare with disappointment. Well, I'm going to tell you why that, I'm going to tell you why we're talking about this particular subject conversation topic on tonight. There has been something that has been unsettling in my spirit uh, really last year is really kind of when it started. I was noticing that a lot of pioneers of the faith or people that I would label as pioneers of the faith, um, a lot of individuals who were launching pads for my Christian journey, like listening to their sermons brought me closer to Jesus, reading their books, their content, their podcast. When I was in cop, like it really, really helped me to grow in the Lord. This is why, sidebar for anybody who badmouths the pastor, did they ever preach anything that helped you get closer to Jesus? That's a whole nother conversation. But these were individuals, these were, these were men, uh, women of God who were launching pads, who pushed me to grow in my relationship with Jesus. And um, a lot of them are no longer believers. They no longer profess to be Christians. They no longer, they have publicly on their platform said, I am no longer a Christian. And this just, this just really was unsettling to me because they were influential in me getting closer to Jesus, as you can imagine, right? And so I actually had the privilege to have a conversation with one of them. And I asked like, what, what happened? What happened to where you were boldly proclaiming your faith to, I'm done. And the common consensus, the common consensus, the most repetitive statement was, that stuff doesn't work. I tried it and God didn't. I prayed, they still died. Nothing that I was doing, like I served, I preached, I taught, I didn't see the fruit from it. And so I was like, man, that caused for me to really focus on my own personal apologetics. I never want to be a man that is great at delivering the word, but poor at the word delivering me. I don't want to, I don't want to be like that. 
So in my own personal time, I was really cultivating and strengthening my apologetics, meaning the ability to defend my faith, so that when I ever, when I ever face a season of suffering, when I ever face disappointment, when I ever have the posture of, I, I didn't ask for this, when I ever want to throw in the towel and be like, okay, I'm done. I want to have a strengthened core of apologetics so that I will never have this outlook. God is good only when life is. I want to have the perspective. God is good even when life isn't. So when we are people who don't know how to identify, better yet, we don't know how to handle the know of God. We don't know how to identify the not yet or we don't even know how to handle the no of God, we will constantly give birth to disappointment. Disappointment. We're going to war with it on tonight. Disappointment, 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 disappointed. Like when we don't know how to identify when God is saying no, we will keep on being intimate with disappointment, which will cause for us to have a baby called discouragement. Disappointment. Disappointment is when the expectation stays stuck in transit. Have you ever ordered something and the tracking information never updated? Matter of fact, you didn't get any intel, you didn't get any information, any intelligence about your package. Like disappointment is when the expectation stays in transit. Disappointment, I didn't ask for this. Disappointment, I didn't ask for this. Disappointment is when our emotions have to readjust unwillingly. <laughs> this is good already. Disappointment. It is when we have to adjust our emotions unwillingly. I don't want to be able to experience not having what I desire. I don't want this to go that way. I didn't ask for this. Disappointment. 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 Like when we allow disappointment to have the last word, Doubt becomes our first words. I didn't come to play tonight. Did y'all hear what I just said? When disappointment has the last word, it causes for doubt to have our first words. I doubt that I'll get approved. I doubt that I'll get the house. I doubt that I'll get the position. I doubt that they will hire me. Why? Because I don't know how, I do not know how to handle disappointment and I cannot identify the not yet are the no of God. I don't. I'm just disappointed, so I'm out. I'm moving states. Ooh, I'm talking to somebody. I'm moving states, I'm moving churches, I'm moving careers, I'm moving spouses. I'm running from disappointment, but, but hold on. This, this is my problem for all runners. You can't outrun you. <laughs> Wherever you go, there you are. So even though you move states, you move spouses, you move houses, different hairstyle, eye color, whatever it is, even though you moved, still in the bosom of your soul is the inability on handling disappointment from a healthy biblical kingdom perspective. When it gets harder, disappointment arrives, you run. But the problem with that is you cannot outrun you. This is a needed. I feel this all in the reservoir of my soul. This is a needed conversation because discernment is sharpened. Watch this. Discernment is sharpened when you don't have to keep on fighting the voice of disappointment. 
I don't have to keep on fighting the voice of disappointment, which by default makes my discernment sharper. Like it's easier for me to hear the voice of my good shepherd when disappointment doesn't have a mic. Did y'all hear me? It's easier for me to know the voice of God, be trained on how to identify the voice of God and know him personally for myself when I have time and experiences and devotion, when I have taught myself to know the voice of my good shepherd, it's easier because disappointment doesn't have a mic. Many of us, we navigate through life and the most amplified voice in your head, in your heart and in your emotions is disappointment. Disappointment, disappointment, disappointment. And this is why we're talking about it because the body remembers. Did y'all hear me? The body remembers. Like it, it doesn't matter how much you try to stuff the event down. It doesn't matter how much you try to stuff the event or the disappointment down in the suitcase or in the luggage of what you call I'm good or the luggage of what you call I'm straight. It doesn't matter how much you try to stuff what happened down. The body remembers. All it takes is one disappointment. Talk Holy Spirit. All it takes is one trigger being pushed. All it takes is one unfulfilled expectation. All it takes is for one letdown, and that's gonna cause for the bag of I'm good, the zipper gonna break, and I'm trying to hold it together, it's gonna fall out. All it takes is one more letdown. I'm talking to somebody that it's gonna just take one more unfulfilled expectation, and the zipper of trying to hold it all together, it's gonna break. Disappointment. I didn't ask for this. Disappointment, I didn't ask for this. I'm cool, no you're not, acting hard is hard. Need to say that again. Acting hard is hard. It's okay for you to be honest. This is why we're doing therapy. It's okay for you to be honest and say, God, that let me down. God, I did want that. God, I am disappointed. It's okay for you to cry. It's okay for you to cry. This is what Jerry has learned personally. Sometimes you don't see clearest until your eyes are filled with tears. Sometimes you do not see the clearest until your eyes are filled with tears. Your breakthrough sometimes looks like crying. Your healing sometimes looks like crying because the mouth is the ventilation system of the heart. And when you cry, there's a certain level of salt that's released in your tears. And sometimes tasting the salt reminds you that you are the salt of the earth. Sometimes it takes for you to cry. I'm not crying just because I'm disappointed. I'm crying because I got a revelation. I'm crying because now I see through truth and healing, I have multiple choice. I don't have to walk around discouraged. I don't have to walk around overwhelmed. I don't have to walk around depressed. It took for me to break, to have my breakthrough. I'm crying because I can see clearly. Now, acting hard is hard, but the conversation that we're having on tonight is designed for anybody who's ever felt like I'm just disappointed. For anybody who has ever felt like I didn't ask for this, this is going to help us because watch this, disappointment has caused for many of us to traffic in this particular thing. And I learned this phrase in college when I was taking debate speech. 
Disappointment, disappointment has caused for a lot of us to traffic in appeal to motive fallacy. Appeal to motive fallacy. All that really means is you presume or you have assumptions about somebody else's motive. You're projecting somebody's motive on a person. An appeal to motive fallacy. I get it all the time. Like the word pastor in itself is a trigger. <laughs> For a lot of, a pastor in itself is a trigger. And so some people are like, I don't listen to that. I don't, I don't, I don't. All, all pastors want is just your money. If you watch this ministry, offerings like the shortest part of the service. And so what happens is there is an appeal to motive fallacy. You project a motive on me due to your disappointments. I wonder how many of us have been projecting motives on people because of all of the people who disappointed us. They ain't gonna love me because. They couldn't really like this because. Well, they're not gonna hire me. It is when we are engaging and trafficking in appeal to motive fallacy. What is a fallacy? A misjudgment, a misconception. So you have a misconception about a person because you're pregnant with disappointment. So I'm projecting my motive. I'm projecting motives on people. I'm projecting perspectives on people. I'm putting my thought bubbles on them. Why? Because of my resume of people letting me down. My resume of having an expectation stay in transit. What do you do when the battle chooses you? What do you do? You're not looking for a fight. <laughs> You're not looking for a fight. Oh, but the fight is looking for a fight. And the fight decides to pick you. If I were to give a subtitle to this conversation, it would be when disappointment picks you. What do you do when the battle picks you? What do you do when you're not looking for a fight, but that fight is looking for a fight and it decides to fight with you? See, hear me. It doesn't matter your ethnicity. It doesn't matter if you're Asian, black, white, Puerto Rican, Canadian. Your ethnicity does not matter. Your, your classism does not matter. Your educational status does not matter. Rather, you live in a home, a car, on the street, that does not matter. Young, old, man, woman, this is a particular battle that will choose all of us, and that is the battle of disappointment. The battle of disappointment. Who in the world Am I talking to, I feel you, the battle of disappointment. Somebody has been putting a deadline on God. And if he does not do this, I'm done with Christianity. We say these churchy colloquialisms like, delay doesn't mean denial. <laughs> Let me throw you a curveball. Is it really delayed or are we disappointed because we gave it a deadline? See, see? Is it really delayed doesn't mean denial or it's we have given it, given it a deadline and we're saying it's delayed because of the deadline we gave it. By the time I'm 30, I, by the time I'm 35, I, by the time I'm 26, I, by the time I'm 50, I will have. Is it really delayed? It's really, is it really delayed or have we given it a deadline? Disappointment. I didn't ask for this. Disappointment, 
I didn't ask for this. I want to just stop, like stop right here. I did it before we went live, but I want to do this publicly because I feel this. Father, in the name of Jesus, whoever has been battling disappointment, whoever has given you a deadline and they're low key, matter of fact, high key upset with you because we have not experienced the fruit of an expectation, because we have not seen them change, because it has not happened for us yet. I'm asking God, would you give us a different perspective, please? Give us a different perspective so that we won't hold our commitment to you based on what we want you to do for us. God, I'm asking that you help us heal. I'm asking that you help us think different. I'm asking that you give us a mind to trust you even when we don't like your pace, to trust you even when we feel we can't trace you. I thank you that you've anointed my lips for this moment to penetrate the heart of your daughter, to penetrate the heart of your son, even to penetrate those who don't claim you as Lord. But somehow this ended up on their algorithm and they're watching this. Help us, God, trust you. Even when we feel as though you keep on disappointing us. In Jesus' name, amen. Somebody put that in the room, amen. I just felt it. I said, stop, hold up. We need to pray because somebody is battling disappointment and you're like, I didn't ask for this. I, I didn't ask for this. I didn't ask for this. See, the battle of disappointment is when you're disappointed because you're measuring yourself, but you keep on coming up short. Disappointment. I didn't ask for this. Disappointed. Like, I'm disappointed that I'm never poured into the way I pour. I'm disappointed. I did not ask for this. I'm disappointed. See, when you keep on pouring into a place, space, or person, when you keep pouring into a person and they don't pour back into you, that causes for us to experience helper's fatigue. Helper's fatigue. That is, that is the exhaustion and the tiredness you feel when you treat that space, that person, or that place like a priority, but you're treated like an option. Disappointment. Disappointment. I didn't ask for this. I didn't ask for this. The disappointment of applying but not getting hired. Disappointment. The disappointment of, of a painful relationship that died. A painful relationship that was severed. And the reason it's so painful is because we keep on replaying it in our head. Like whatever went on in that relationship on why it ended, the mental loops keep the pain alive. Watch this family. When you keep on meditating on what happened, when you keep on meditating on the pain, your body will then produce the exact same chemical it did in the event right now when it's over. Because the body remembers. The body keeps score. The body remembers. So when I meditate, on how they hurt me, when I meditate on the molestation, when I meditate on the sexual abuse, we're talking about all of it. When I meditate on the trauma, your body literally releases the exact same chemical it did when you experienced it. 
So when the trauma happened in February of 2017, and, and you are still meditating on what happened in February of 2023. The exact same chemicals you felt in February of 2016 to 2017 is the exact same chemicals that are released in your head right now in February, 20, uh, February of 2023. The exact same chemicals. I taught, taught us this so many times, but I have to do it. Some of this information is education to some, but then it's simply a reminder to others. Anytime we keep on meditating on the trauma, our body releases cortisol. That is your stress response. This is your body's inward alarm. So literally some of us are walking around due to disappointments with this alarm that is constantly going off in our soul saying, I'm tired of this. I'm tired of this. I'm tired of this. I'm tired of this. It's your stress response. Your cortisol levels are rising. I'm tired of this. I'm tired of this. I'm tired of this. And if you have ever had an alarm system, that ringing gets annoying. And so what does the body do? It tries to figure out how do we stop the alarm? That manifests as drinking. That manifests as sleep paralysis. That manifests as wrinkles under your eyes. Bags under your eyes. That manifests as weight gain or weight loss. That manifests as hair loss. The body is trying to figure out how do I stop the alarm? What is the passcode? Like, what do I push on the keypad of my emotions? What do I push on the keypad of my heart to stop the siren of, I'm tired of this. I'm tired of this. I'm tired of this. I'm tired. Of I don't know how to stop it. Don't just tell me. Jerry, don't just tell me I don't know how to handle disappointment. How do I stop the alarm because it's robbing my joy? How do I stop the alarm because it's robbing my peace? How do I stop the alarm is causing for me to hate what I see in the mirror? How do I stop the alarm? I can't sleep at night. How do I stop the alarm? I gotta have Hennessy to help. How do I stop the alarm? I keep on picking counterfeits. How do I stop it? I'm gonna give you the passcode. The passcode is when you recognize that a change of plans is not disappointment, but a change of plans is rather God ordering your steps. Torrance, we can end it. See y'all next week. We can end Therapy Thursday. I'm giving you the password. I'm giving you the cheat code. What, what's the passcode on the keypad of my emotions and my mind? to stop the alarm of, I'm tired of this? What's the passcode? This takes spiritual maturity. It's when you recognize a change of plans is not God trying to disappoint me, but rather it is God ordering my steps. Psalms, Psalms chapter 37, verse 23. Let's look at this. Psalms chapter 37, verse 23. It says, the steps of a good man. This is not speaking about gender. This is talking about mankind, man as a race of humanity. The steps of a good man are ordered by your decisions. It's not what the text says. The steps of a good man are ordered by your degrees. You thought it's because you have a PhD. <laughs> you thought, like you really thought it's because you have more degrees than a thermostat, right? The steps of a good man are ordered by 
the Lord. Then the psalmist says, and he delights in his way. This, this changed my life. Disappointment is not God punishing me. Disappointment is God ordering my steps. Watch this, not just ordering my steps. <laughs> not just ordering my steps, but also ordering my stops. I'm stopping that because that's not what I've ordered for you. I'm stopping that because that's not what I have for you. Spiritual maturity is when you don't view the change of plans as disappointment, but rather as God ordering your steps. I am giving you, I am giving you the passcode. See, when we keep on meditating on what happened, keep on meditating on that trauma, you are literally resuscitating disappointment. <laughs> so whenever you mentally loop it, you give CPR to the pain. It's one thing having the conversation for healing, for therapy, which all of us should do. The mouth is the ventilation system of the heart. It's another thing when you stuff it, never try to talk about it, never try to address it. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about just avoiding it, pushing it away. No, there's going to have to come a time when we deal with it. The reason many of us keep on looping it is because we haven't dealt with it. We haven't dealt with it. Disappointment, the battle of disappointment, the battle of disappointment. I didn't ask for this, the battle of disappointment. Why is this a battle? The reason it's a battle is because it is a fight. It is a fight to try to find the blessing somewhere in the problem. It's a fight, it's a battle with disappointment. It is a fight because I'm trying to find what's the point. I'm trying to like logically grasp why would God allow this? Why, like I didn't ask for this. It's a fight due to the gunfire. There it is. It's a fight due to the gunfire and the gun smoke from the cannon of discouragement that has blinded us to hope, to God's will. It's the, it's the smoke. It's the gunfire and the gun smoke from the cannon of discouragement that keeps us blinded to another emotion or perspective rather than disappointment. And I'm trying to tell you, it's when you view a change of plans as God ordering my steps. I know you're trying to fight. <laughs> I know you're trying to fight it. Man, I, 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 I know I should be grateful, but I really want that position. It's a fight, isn't it? I know that that wasn't God's will for me. I know that they weren't meant for me. I see that clearly now, but God, I do want to get married. Like, I do want to have children before what the medical, medical uh, sector considers high risk. I do want to have children. Do you have any candidates coming back in stock? I'm fighting to have a different perspective. I'm fighting to, to, to see it different. I'm trying to have a different perspective on it. I'm disappointed from the person I was fighting for and saying that they were different, but they end up doing the same thing to me with the remix. <laughs> I didn't ask for this. And this is why I'm doing this. Why I'm doing this is because I recognize this. Please hear me. You are one 
revelation away from new joy. We do therapy Thursdays because not only do I want God pleased, and this is something that he put on us, it's a weight. So if I don't do it, I'm disobedient. But another reason we're doing this is because you are one revelation away from new found joy. Just one. All it takes is one perspective shift. All it takes is for one therapy session and you get one strategy. You get one system of thought. You get one instruction that will give you newfound joy. And for many of us, that was it. Spiritual maturity is when I view the change of plans, not as disappointment, but as God ordering my steps. That's it. You are one revelation away from experiencing new found joy. A different perspective removes the debris of disappointment because it's gonna be hard for us to see that God has better when we keep staring at the rubble of what was. One more time. A different perspective removes the debris of disappointment because it's going to be hard to see that God has better when you keep on staring at the rubble of what was. Disappointment, I didn't ask for this. Disappointment, I didn't ask for this. So this, this hit me today in real time. Before I came to the studio to do Therapy Thursday, I opened my front door and there's mountains of boxes. I mean, my wife just been, <laughs> Amazon box, I'm just swiping, right? There's these mountain of boxes, but I remember that we discussed that we're going to get all the necessities for Josiah now, our unborn son that's coming in April of this year. Everything that we need for him, like we really, really need, we're gonna go ahead and get it. So as I open the front door and I see these mountain of boxes, this scripture came back to me. I like, I like this is no gas. This really happened to me today. The scripture came back to me in John 14, one through four, let's read it. It says, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe in me also. In my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself. That where I am, there you may also be. And where I go, you know, and the way you know. Now this conversation, to keep this proper, like exegete this passage correctly, um, Jesus was telling the disciples that I'm about to be crucified and I'm gonna go be betrayed, I'm gonna die. Like where I'm going, you can't go with me. You can't follow me here, okay? But I, I'm preparing a place for you. I'm gonna do my task. I'm gonna defeat death. I'm gonna raise from the grave with all power in my hand. And I have a place prepared for you. Like even then and then when we get to heaven, I have a place for you. And so in the context of this, Jesus is really reminding his disciples, don't forget, I have a plan. Don't forget, like don't let your heart be troubled. That's how it starts off by saying, don't let your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe in me also. And know that in my father's house are many mansions and I've prepared a place for you. So let's go back. I open the front door, I see these mountain of boxes, and then the scripture came back to me, I prepared a place for you. I prepared a place for you. Now, for anybody who knows me or has been watching um, 
our series for any extended period of time. My main request of God is, Father, I thank you that you'll give us a facility so that we can facilitate your people. We have a building, but it's not large enough. I'm gonna seek the kingdom, and I know that once I seek the kingdom, all of that stuff will be added unto me. So I trust you, but this is something I keep putting before God. Josiah's not even here yet, but we're preparing a place for him. He's not even here yet, but we have his crib. Lord willing, we have his crib. We have his bassinet. We have his swinger. We have diapers. We have bottles. We have like those little booties that you put on their feet. We have clothes. We are preparing a place for him and he's not even here yet. The thought of his place is not even in his head yet. You have a brother that's waiting for you and you like and you having a brother hasn't even crossed your mind. You're not even mature enough to think like that yet. You have a sister that's waiting for you. You have a father, you have a mother, you have a, a community of people who are praying for you and can't wait to see you, Josiah. And all of these boxes are us preparing a place for you. So in that moment, I begin to think if a flawed, imperfect man, me, if a flawed, imperfect man who is in desperate need of the gospel and who is in desperate need of Jesus has enough sense to prepare before he gets here, how much more does a perfect, sovereign, all-knowing, omniscient, omnipresent God, how much more does he know the things that he has prepared for me? And in that moment, as I'm bringing the boxes in, it brought me a peace. Remember, one perspective away from newfound joy. It brought me a peace. If I'm flawed and I'm preparing a place for my unborn son, how much more is God who is perfect preparing a place for all of his people? <laughs> so good. Real-time revelation. And it, it, just, it just calls for peace to hit me because everything that I'm concerned about, God has already worked it out. Like God doesn't, he doesn't start it, he finishes. Whatever is started to us, it's already done to him because he's in our future today. Whatever is, whatever is starting in my life, God's already done with, period. So now it takes for me to have the faith and the trust that the same way you got all these boxes for your son that's coming in a few weeks, I have a whole bunch of stuff in store for you. Just like Jesus told his disciples, I prepare a place for you. This is so good, y'all. I prepare a place for you. Let's say this, and everybody, let's put this in the room. All caps. Father, help me to relabel disappointment as you ordering my steps. Talk about a prayer request. Let's put that in the room one more time. Father, all caps, y'all, help me to relabel disappointment as you ordering my steps. We could be done. We don't, we don't need to keep going. I have given you the passcode to how to turn the alarm off. But I wanna show you this final biblical passage, three points, and we're done today because I feel like you already have the homework to apply. There was this passage of scripture and 2 Kings chapter four, we're gonna go to when the Shunammite woman 
noticed Elisha walking by. She recognized that he was a man of God. She told her husband, listen, let's make a room for him so that every single time he comes by, he has a place to be, all right? So this is the context of the passage of scripture that we're reading in 2 Kings chapter 4, verse 14. It starts off by saying, so he said, what then is to be done for her? That's a whole sermon. Elisha's like, she has made a place for me. She has made a bed for me. In the kingdom, we believe in reciprocity. So the same way she's doing something for me, what can I do for her? What can I do for her? So he said, what then is to be done for her? Then Gehazi answered, actually, she, she has no son and her husband is old. So he said, call her. When he called her, she stood in the doorway. Then he said, about this time next year, you shall embrace a son. <laughs> Watch this. And she said, nope, stop it. Stop it. Flag on the play. Offsides, time out, clipping. Nope. No, my Lord, man of God, do not lie to your maidservant. What is she saying? Don't set me up to be disappointed. Don't give me any hope. I have exited out in my mind that I'm not having a son. I'm cool. No, I didn't ask for this. Title of this, <laughs> title of this therapy Thursday session. I didn't ask for a son. I'm done. Nope. I don't even, don't cause for me to hope. Don't give me any form of an expectation. No, my Lord, man of God, do not lie to your maid servant. But the woman conceived and bore a son when the appointed time had come of which Elisha told her. And the child grew. Now it happened one day that he went out to his father to the reapers. And he said to his father, my head, my head. So he said to a servant, carry him to his mother. When he had taken him and brought him to his mother, he sat on her knees till noon and then died. As she went up and laid him on the bed of the man of God, shut the door upon him and went out. Then she called to her husband and said, please send me one of the young men and one of the donkeys that I may run to the man of God and come back. So he said, why are you going to him today? It is either, it is neither the new moon nor the Sabbath. And she said, it is well. When you have disappointment starting to brew in your soul, sometimes don't tell nobody. She had a, it is well, even when it wasn't well. Why didn't she, I'm going to tell Elisha, that our son is dead. <laughs> Where do you take your disappointment? Do you take it to porn? The hookah bar? Weed? Alcohol? The club? Where do you take your disappointment? Now, in these times, God's main method of speaking was through his prophets. So she's really taking her disappointment back to the man of God, which she knows God uses. So I'm taking it back to the vessel that God used. I'm taking it back to God. Now this is critical because if she would have, let's say, told some friends, 
You know what I believe they would have said? Well, indeed. Well, like the intent was well. I believe they would have said, we extend to you our condolences and we'll help you with the funeral arrangements. <laughs> well intended. She knew to hold it. I got to take this to God. I got to take this back to where it came from. Now look, look, it is well. Then she saddled a donkey and said to her servant, drive and go forward. Do not slacken the pace for me unless I tell you. I mean, let's go. Let's go. So she departed and went to the man of God at Mount Carmel. So it was when the man of God saw her afar off that he said to his servant Gehazi, look, the Shunammite woman, please run now to meet her and say to her, is it well with you? Is it well with your husband? Is it well with the child? Watch this. And she answered, it is well. These three words at the end of verse 26, it is well, it is well, it is well. Let's, let's think about this. Think about how real and perplexing this Shunammite woman's situation is. I prepared a place for you. I told you, don't lie to me. I'm not asking for no baby. I'm not asking for you to do the miraculous. Don't give me hope. Don't give me an expectation. I didn't, I didn't ask for this. You are going to give me something and let it die. Could you imagine on your own time, go back and read this particular passage. You'll see that the boy is rose back and she has her son again. But like I said on Sunday's message, without uncertainty, your faith would never be in the gym. If everything was certain, you would need faith. Uncertainty is what God uses to put our faith in the gym. She could have been distraught, which I imagine she was, but she had a, it is well on her lips. She knew where to take it. Many of us, your disappointment is so swole because of where you're taking it. Because of where you're taking it. Th three points and I'm gonna be done. This woman is teaching us a powerful perspective that sometimes disappointment is God ordering my steps I would not have seen this miracle if this wouldn't have happened. I don't like the pain of it, but it's a university. God wants to put my faith in a classroom and in the gym. She gets the miracle of having her son back. Let's look at these three points I want us to consider and I'm done. Number one, disappointment is not for discouragement, but direction. It's not God trying to discourage you. It's him showing you, I've ordered your steps elsewhere. Not getting approved, not getting the loan, not getting the position. It's not God designed. It's not him trying to <laughs> disappoint you. No, I'm directing you elsewhere. Disappointment. When we have spiritual maturity, disappointment is when we see the change of plans, not as God, trying to disappoint us, but he's ordering our steps. Number two, disappointment is a compass, not a verdict. This is so good, y'all. 
It's a compass. It's designed to direct you to get back on the ordered steps. What if that didn't happen because God is recalibrating your route? What if that didn't work because God noticed that was taking you off track? So I have to put you back on. Disappointment is not a compass. Disappointment is a compass, not a verdict. Last point, number three. God has a place for me. This must not be my place. God has a place for me. The fact that this didn't work, this must not be my place because just like I opened the front door and there were boxes preparing a place for Josiah, if he tried to get a place in your house, it wouldn't work. You could try whatever, but that's not his place. And I'll forever be chasing him down. I'll forever be striving to find him. Ooh, talk. I'll forever be trying to get him back from you because that's not where I designed for him to be. I prepared a place. I'm his father. I know what room he's supposed to be in. I have outfits for him. I have people that I want him to meet. Living with you as much as you would possibly love my son, I would chase him down. What if what you're calling disappointment is God chasing you down to show you that's not the place I have prepared for you. This is. So Father, right now, allow this session to be that one revelation that gives us newfound joy. You prepared a place. Help the revelation of our steps being ordered cause us to remember you're not setting us up to give us emotional trauma, but you're getting us back on our ordered steps. Shift our minds to view it that way. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.